HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed podcast, we will be trying to help you solve the daily question that we're all faced with, which is what's for dinner. Each week, we will be speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community who are a constant source of ideas and inspiration and help us get dinner on the table every night. Today, I'm joined by Janelle Castro. Janelle shares delicious, lesser-known foods from around the world on her YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram channel called Janelle Eats. Her favorite thing to do is introduce someone to their new favorite dish. She was born and raised in the Philippines, so a lot of her content centers around that. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast, Janelle. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. Thanks, Alexa. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, of course. Yeah, I'm a, I get very hungry looking at your content. So I'm sure I'm going to be very hungry talking to you. So that's just something that I've, that's my cross to bear right now that I'm just about to get very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. That's like my job, right? <laughs> that's the goal. So take me back to the beginning. I know you were born in the Philippines and spent your childhood there. So talk to me about kind of like food and family um, from your childhood, kind of what, what did you grow up eating when you were living in the Philippines? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So a lot. I mean, I feel <laughs> like food is my life um, because that's like, I would say most of what I remembered living in the Philippines. So here's the thing too, like that I want to start with is a lot of people think Filipino food is unhealthy. And I couldn't, I couldn't find the words to figure out why, like, I know that that's not entirely true. And I saw another, I think another Filipina food blogger posted about it and said that Filipino, the Filipino foods that you know here, that's like more mainstream are actually fiesta foods. And so Mm. those are the type of foods that we would eat at parties, celebrations, things like that. Uh, But when I was in the Philippines, I remembered eating just super simple foods. Like if it was fish, it would be grilled. I think the worst would be like 
fried, like pan fried. Uh, we would have vegetables that were blanched all the time. I love tropical vegetables. Like I could eat tropical vegetables all day. What are um, some tropical vegetables? I feel like I'm picturing it, but I can't yeah. articulate it. <laughs> so, okay. Like the ones that we ate a lot, it's called water spinach and it's called kangkong in the Philippines. And so we would just blanch that. It's like long leafy vegetables. They call it ong choy as well. Okay. So that was really good. Egg, I mean, eggplant, uh, okra was another one. And there's all these other like leafy greens that are like all these different variants, like chili leaves or, you know, all sorts of stuff that I don't typically find here in like American grocery stores. But if you Mm -hmm. go to the Asian grocery stores, you'll find plenty of them. And I just, they're just so good. Yum. Well, I didn't even know about many of those. So thank you for shedding a light on that. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, sorry to interrupt. You were on a roll, but you had me curious about the tropical vegetables. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was a lot of that. Like we ate very simply. Uh, My parents would go, my mom would go to the market and pick up fresh fruit, fresh veggies, I remembered like we would have a lot of street food too. Like street food to me is, oh my gosh, like the goal is to like show everybody like the street foods that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so fascinated by the foods that maybe we don't typically talk about in like mainstream American food media because there's so many out there. It's not always like the whole bizarre foods type of street food. It's just like we got all sorts of stuff. Like we call it street food, but there's all sorts of just like nourishing foods that you can get from like these street vendors. Um, but I remember notably, I could talk about this one. Um, balut. You've heard of balut, right? That No. So it's a duck egg. It's the duck egg with the fetus inside. Oh. Yeah. So that I remembered would come around like clockwork every night. And he would call out, the vendor would call out balut. He would say balut. And we would run out, we'd grab some, and then we would all eat it as a family. So that was just like a normal thing. It was like a family event to just sit around and eat these duck eggs. And it wasn't anything like out of the ordinary. It was just something that we all did like as a family thing. It's bonding. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so how how old were you when you, like how long were you in the Philippines, I guess? Yeah, so I was born there, and then we immigrated here when I was eight years old. Okay, so you have fond memories of living there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so when you were growing up there, who was kind of cooking the most in your house? Was it all of you? Was it what was kind of the cooking situation at home? Hmm. So I do remember. <laughs> it's funny because that that's changed in the Philippines. It was my mom. So my mom would usually cook the very simple foods. Like I said, like I remembered blanched vegetables, maybe like a mung bean stew. And a lot of like the food was like close to source. And then it was my grandma too. So my grandma also liked to cook, but also keep in mind like the dynamics of like how we lived in the Philippines was very different than how we lead, how we live here now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my grandma did, cook still but she had a lot of like help around the house to help her cook as well so it wasn't always just her gotcha Uh, yeah so what was your favorite thing that like your family or your grandma or your mom made when you were growing up hmm 
when I was growing up, I had to think about this. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? It's so weird, but I really did enjoy like the vegetables. Oh my god! Yeah, you love the vegetables. I know. I like don't even. That's just what I remember because here's the thing. It wasn't just like let's blanch the vegetables and eat it straight up. Like we would dip it in a mixture of shrimp paste or fish paste and vinegar. Yum. Yeah. And it's actually like, ugh, like I could eat any vegetable with that dipping sauce. Yeah, I mean, sauce. it sounds like a good way to get your veggies in. Yep. So it would be that, or I guess actually like sinigang, which is a sour soup from the Philippines, which it was, as it, um, it was another media company that ranked sinigang as the number one most popular or most most like soup in the world. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I was like so surprised. And of course, like the Filipino community was super happy and excited. I was super proud and happy uh, because sinigang is like one of those things that I could eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner. What is it? What's it like? Um, so... T- I would say like the standard, most common sinigang that you would see is a broth made with tamarind. But really, like it dep- depends on the region, depends on what you have on hand. You use a sour base. So tamarind, green mango, sour guava. There, there's a few other fruits that I've seen used as a sinigang base. And then typically it's like pork. You can use pork. You can use fish, shrimp, whatever meats you want. But the one that was rated number one sinigang was pork sinigang. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like a no-brainer. Yeah. Sounds delicious. You have to try it if you haven't. It's How do you spell it? Yeah, I'm in New York. Okay, perfect. Um, There should be some over there. Uh, You spell it S-I-N-I-G-A-N-G. Yum. Okay, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to try that. And I'd love to... Kind of like the fact that it's sort of sour. Like I love like a an acidic soup. So that sounds awesome. Wow. So would you say that you're like, you know, a lot of the goal with your content is to kind of make Filipino food more accessible to the masses? Or what is kind of your, what is it that you're trying to do with kind of educating the the public about Filipino food? Yeah. Um, so I think it is that. I just don't focus anymore so much just Filipino food because I realize that I can't just hit it from a Filipino food perspective all the time. Um, I do want people to be more familiarized with it. And so recently I started this world map series where I scratch off a part of the world, like a country or a region, and then I show a dish. And so from there, I kind of like I kind of like walk the viewer through like what it tastes like or what it may be similar to and like why they'd enjoy it. And at the same time, I'm also providing them with other videos that is sprinkling in like Filipino food and my experience as a Filipina, Filipino American having all these different foods and how it ties back to Filipino food. And for me, like I like it. I like approaching it from that perspective because I just would like to create, I think, a little bit more unity and familiarity for all cuisines and all cultures. And then that, in turn, I believe would help people also be more familiarized and more open to trying Filipino food and learning more about it. That's awesome. No, and it's, I feel like even, you know, just from the content that I have seen of yours, I've like, and even just talking to you today, I've like learned a lot more about Filipino food than I knew before. And I think that there is kind of a 
a lack of awareness about like all the the different, you know, styles of food and different things that, you know, come from that culture here in America. So it's like, it's very cool that you're doing that. Thank you. And I'm glad that you were able to learn something from me because <laughs> I don't know, like I was just That's like excited. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So how did you learn to cook then? So you were growing up eating all these foods. Like how did you start cooking yourself? How old were you? Oh my gosh, so funny because I would say I was dabbling in it like when I was growing up, but I didn't get serious about cooking until I went to college. Okay. <laughs> and that's because I was so scared of the freshman 15. Like oh everyone, my God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like everyone was saying like, watch out for the freshman 15, watch out. And I was so like scared that I would just get carried away. And so I was like, okay, how can I like make sure that I'm being mindful of what I eat? And so that's when cooking really became more important for me. And also I was homesick. Like, I think everybody else was like, woo, party, like, let's go to college. But I was like almost in tears every night when I was like in my dorm. And I was just like, oh my God, like I want to go home. And so part of that was like, when I learned how to cook food, not only was it more affordable for me to eat, but it also like gave me that sense of comfort that oh, I'm like eating the food that I grew up with and that I would eat with my family. And so it was like partly like survival, partly trying to avoid the freshman 15 and then like trying to feel that comfort of being home. Oh, well, it sounds like it it worked out. (laughs) Yeah, it did. I got like a little more intense with it, obviously, after like this blog. So yeah. So where, where did you go to school? I went to UC Irvine. Okay. So yeah, I guess there probably wasn't like a whole lot of Filipino food available. No, I would say like in that area, not really. Um, You'd probably have to go to LA more. Yeah. (laughs) So you were, you were making it work and then it kind of helped you grow and develop and, you know, become, you know, much more confident in the kitchen, which has obviously helped you in the long run. Yeah, actually it's, I mean, it's, I think, hilarious because I was freaking out and my sister was trying to teach me how to cook. And I was like, this isn't going to work. I don't understand. Like, how can you throw in like this much of chicken? And then like you throw in the rest of the chicken later. And like, how does this all work? And I was just getting so caught up in the smallest things. And now it's like, I can cook almost anything if you just like, give me a few instructions, like, and then I can go play around with it. Yay. (laughs) That's awesome. And so were your friends in college kind of like enjoying your food or were you sharing it with others or were you just kind of like, all right, I'm doing this for me and I don't care? <laughs> yeah, I would say it was more for me because I I I think now that I look back now, like my friends weren't open to eating that food, not because they don't want it, but because they had the swipe cards to go in and eat at like the cafeteria and stuff. So it wasn't really something that I shared. It's something that I usually ate on my own. Oh, well, do you then? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. I was like, yeah, you guys can go to the cafeteria. I'm good here. (laughs) Oh my God. So were you like, how did you pick up on how to make all these dishes? Did you, were you like calling your family and were they helping you or how did you kind of teach yourself how to do all this? Oh, man. Um, I did. I remember having to call my dad a few times. So you know how I mentioned to you that it was my mom and my grandma cooking before? Yes. Now it's my dad. Like, my dad cooks a lot. So I remember trying to make a chicken adobo one time. 
And it was the very first time I had ever made chicken adobo. And I was like, it just tastes gross. I was like, what's wrong with it? And then I called my dad and he helped me. So he said like, oh, it's because you put in too much soy sauce. It should be more vinegar. And, and I was like, oh, okay. So then from there, I would like call my dad every once in a while and ask him. But then there's this wonderful thing called Google. And so, (laughs) yeah, check it out if you haven't. It's amazing. (laughs) And it's taught me things. Yeah, it's taught me how to cook, basically. I've heard great things about it. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. So he was kind of helping you along and then you, you figured it out. So how has your cooking style kind of evolved over time? You went from kind of like being in survival mode in college to now, you know, cooking day in and day out for, you know, your content online. So how has your cooking style kind of grown with, with you? Ooh. Okay. I would say like, now that I think about it, when I started, when I got my first job and you know, you start getting that income and you're like, yeah, I can do all this stuff. I could travel. So I started traveling just to like a few countries and then I would have to go back home. I would have to go to work. But to get that sense of like, I want to travel or I am out traveling, like to fulfill that, I had to go learn how to make the food at home. So that's when I started to really explore more into like, okay, let's not just cook Filipino food and the foods that I'm familiar with cooking. I'm going to go expand more to other types of food. And so let's say I want to pretend I'm traveling to, I don't know, Paris or something. Mm -hmm. I'll go look up a dish that maybe I had, or maybe a Parisian dish that I'd never even tried before. And then I'll try to make that at home. And then I'll be like, Ooh, okay. So this is what it kind of tastes like. And it gives me that sense of I'm traveling, even though I'm like in my kitchen, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. So you basically were bringing the world to your kitchen by kind of trying to pick up on other cuisines, essentially. Yeah, basically. Cause I mean, I can only spend so much on travel, at least back then. And so it's like, well, I can go to the grocery store and I can try cooking it or I could go out and eat out somewhere. So that's, there's the balance there too. I can always go out and find a new restaurant and then try that. Or I could go and try making it at home. Yes. So what is kind of one of your favorite new things that you taught yourself with that, with that method? Oh my gosh. Okay. Hold on. Let me think. There's so, there's so many, right? Cause I have this world map series. Um, let me think, let me think. Well, I just want to add, I can't, I'm still not good with spices. So any cuisine that's like really good with spices, I just, I just can't, I'm not very good at it. Is Filipino food not that spicy or? No, we just don't use a lot of spices. Like, you know, when you have, um, let's say like Mexican food, Indian food, Arabic food, there's a lot of spices that go into it. And I just don't know what to do with it. Like I have spices at home, but I'm just like kind of staring at them sometimes. And if you have to tell me to put in more than two spices, I kind of like, all right, I don't know what's going on here. Um, (laughs) And then I just kind of like, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, I feel that I feel like chefs use spice as a real like way to develop flavor and stuff and it's it's not that easy I mean what they it it, I feel like online it's like oh yeah you just add all these spices and it's no problem but it is you know it's a very legitimate skill set to build flavor throughout making a dish so like I totally feel you there I know it's hard um so that's something I'd like to work on I don't know how um maybe that's a whole nother video series I could work on actually (laughs) um but actually you know what 
it's funny because I think I'm looking, I was looking for an answer to your question. That's a little bit more like, Ooh, like people don't normally talk about these types of cuisines, yes. but I would say for me, it was <laughs> the great British breaking show. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah. And so, okay. Just a little like background. If you had, if you grew up in the Philippines, like I have, there are certain things that are just not for my palate that I learned to like after watching the great British baking show. <laughs> oh yeah. So like one what? of them is like spices. So, you know, when people are like pumpkin spice latte yes. or like spiced donuts, spiced breads, like all this stuff, I just did not like it. I thought it was gross. Like I Ooh. thought pumpkin pie was gross for the longest Ooh. time. So like that whole flavor profile. Yeah. Like cinnamon and sweets. I was just like, Oh, like that's kind of uh, like, I just did not like it. Right. So I binge watched the great British baking show. And then from there I learned to make breads, but not just breads. It was like specifically like the European style breads with like the spices in it. And I was like, what is this? I don't think I would like it, but I put like, um, like mixed peel. So it's just like a mixture of like dried fruits and then maybe like orange peel, lemon peel and like cinnamon, nutmeg, like all these flavors that I would Ooh. never have touched. And then I just ended up, I think just liking it because I liked the show. We traveled over there. I ended up liking it over there. And so part of that was like, I, th I think to me, like part of accepting, not accepting, but appreciating. Yeah. Part of like appreciating the culture is like, appreciating the food yeah and for me like that was a big leap like for me to be able to like get used to the taste of what they make over there and like their breads and pastries and stuff I think was a huge like <laughs> I think learning experience for me interesting so did you try mince pies oh my gosh I love mince pies they're my so favorite good food. yes oh my god I had it in um Ben Nevis, which is, I don't know, Fort William in Scotland. Oh, okay. No idea. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, they have mince pies there. They're so good. But like, exactly like that. I never would have tried if I yes. didn't like explore, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So my family's actually very British on my mom's side. So like I grew up eating mince pies and that was like literally my favorite food. My grandma's mince pies so it's like a very random thing that not a lot of people know about but since we were talking about like doing orange peels and all those type of spices I'm like oh she must know what mince pies are because that's yes. basically what they're made of <laughs> yes but like see from like the outsider's perspective like me who would never have tried a mince pie I was like what do you mean they put you know like whatever uh, like other stuff and I think there's sometimes like dried um fruit in mince yep, pies yeah, right a lot of dried fruit and then there's like beef fat basically yeah suet Suet. Yes. Yeah. Suet in there. Right. And so like me learning all that stuff, I was like, what? They're putting this in there? And um, but there's always like this like belief that I have that there's a reason why they put those ingredients together. And there's a reason why it's tradition. There's a reason why like millions or billions of people have been eating it through the centuries. Mm -hmm. And so for me to dismiss that, I don't think is very well, I don't think it's very nice. <laughs> I think you should always try it and see. And even if you don't like it, at least you tried it. And then you can understand later that there's a whole population and culture of people who eat these things. And I just, I feel like you always got to give it a shot. And if you yes. don't like it, great. But then you might end up loving it. So yeah. Amen. 
if you haven't done the UK yet for your uh, your world map series, you should do mince pies from there. I really should. It's. I think it's a matter of like, I need to make time to be able to <laughs> make this stuff plus make the videos, you know? Oh, God, but yeah. I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you decide to start doing video content? Like, what was your journey there where you were... You went to college, like what happened after that, that led you to the point you're at now? Sure. So it was more like I was at work and this is so bad, but like I saw everybody else watching YouTube videos when they were at work and I was like, (laughs) why is everyone watching YouTube videos? They're not even that fun. Like I don't watch any YouTubers. Like I just wasn't interested. Right. Mm -hmm. And then because everybody else was slacking off at work, I decided to like try it. And I was like, oh, let me go look around. And then before, and then I think I saw it was Emmy Eats. Okay. So I think back then she was Emmy made in Japan and now she's Emmy Eats. And I stumbled upon her YouTube video where she was sharing snacks from around the world. And I was like, whoa, oh, this is really cool. And I ended up watching the whole video because I was really curious as to like, oh my gosh, there's all these snacks I had never seen before. And then I was like, hey, I could do that. I could do that. I want to start making videos about like Filipino snacks and sharing Filipino food and all the other snacks that I like to eat. Mm -hmm. And so I was still working and I was like, let me just try this thing. It shouldn't be too hard. (laughs) Oh my God. What an understatement. You know, (laughs) making a video was so hard back then. (laughs) So when was that? How many years ago was that? I would say that was like, mm, let me think, let me think. Maybe like 2015 or 2016. Okay. Okay, Yeah. So decently, you know, on the pretty cutting edge of like video creation. Yeah. Yeah. So you started it. And then when did you decide that? Like, what was next? Oh, sure. Um, So I started it. And I was like, let's go eat Filipino snacks with my sister. And then I think I posted that one video. And then I chilled out for a bit because I was like, wow, that was hard. And then I decided to pick it up again when I started getting restless at work. You know, everybody starts to get that feeling of, ooh, like, is this it? Uh, I'd really love to do more things that is just beyond this nine to five that I'm in. Right. And so I started uploading YouTube videos more regularly, probably maybe it was 2017 or something. And it was after like I had met some entrepreneurs that were a little bit younger than me. And they were just talking to me about all the stuff that they were planning. And I was like, oh man, like I have to do something. I have to do something cool. And I just always gravitated towards videos. Like I've always loved making videos just for fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't know if this food video thing is going to go anywhere. I really hope it does. I mean, I want it to, but I just knew I had to do something different that didn't feel like it was sucking the soul out of me. And for me, that was food and anything to do with food. And so I loved videos. And so I put those two together and, um, I think it was my boyfriend and I decided to go travel for two weeks in Europe. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember just looking up at like the buildings in Paris because I just could not believe how old this place was. Oh my God, that's how I felt when I went to Paris. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Right? It was like you go to like the middle, you know, like you go to the square and they're like, oh, this is where Marie Antoinette was beheaded. And you're like, what? Yeah. It's like mind blowing. Like you could watch it and stuff. Like you could watch about all the movies and documentaries. But until you're standing there, you're just like right you're like at awe by like how big the world is I think that's what it was like the world is so big am I really gonna sit in this place go back home sit in my cubicle and do the same thing day in day out until my next two weeks yeah and I was like I don't think so (laughs) so I decided to be like okay goodbye I'm gonna try this whole like work remotely thing and I think that was in 20 oh my gosh is it 20 17 or 2018 I can't even I don't even remember who knows I don't remember I know it's been like a whirlwind (laughs) so (laughs) yeah I just continued doing my YouTube channel I tried to do like some uh, consulting and coaching and all this stuff and then eventually you go into like this zigzag of all these things that you want to do because the YouTube channel is just not growing and you're like what the heck was I doing like what am I doing yeah and then Yeah, I'm like, I really need to like step it up. And so, um, but just recently, I've been getting a lot of traction on my YouTube channel, which is, it's so funny because I think everybody think, or at least I thought that I would be super, super excited, which I am. I'm like super excited, but it's more of a sense of relief. Mm. Like I tell everyone, like, I'm just so relieved that it worked out because of just all the things that I had to, to try to believe in and it was hard when things weren't happening and now it's like oh okay like so it does work out oh thank god (laughs) so that's how I feel because yeah you risked a lot to be able to do that yeah it's scary you know and you're just like maybe I could have just stayed and then I I really could have just like racked up the vacation and then just used the money that I was getting from my nine to five and traveled instead of like freaking out and right. like, and not traveling. Like, what's happening here? What did I just do? But now it's good. It's good. I'm good. I'm relieved. Yay. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah, it seems like it's been like quite a journey and a roller coaster ride of like figuring this all out. Yeah, it has been. Oh my gosh. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 35 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on an eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail served on the beautiful patio, which has ample room for social distancing. Travelers from around the world find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. You're doing a lot of cooking for your content all the time, but when you're cooking for yourself, how are you approaching what's for dinner every night? <laughs> so if it's just for myself, I get really lazy. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, Alexa, I go back to the whole blanch the vegetables thing with the dipping sauce. There you go. So as simple as possible, but also I do set up like a structure in the refrigerator and the freezer and the pantry so that if I'm ever hungry, I could whip up something for dinner in like 15 minutes. Oh, 
Yeah. Um, and so what that looks like is I usually have frozen ramen noodles or udon noodles or something because those things only cook for a minute. So mm-hmm. once your water's boiling, one minute, you're done. And then I have a variety of sauces that you could throw on there. So I have miso bases. I have all sorts of, of like sauces in the pantry, in the fridge. So it doesn't always have to be one flavor all the time. Mm-hmm. So you've got the noodle, you've got the sauce base, and you can have it soupy or you can have it dry. And then I usually have some kind of protein and veggies. Yes. So really quick ones too, not like a slab of meat. It's like thin cuts of meat or tofu or seafood, like shrimp and scallops. And so you just, you could throw all that together in 15 minutes and dinner is served. Well, look at that. Well, you seem to have that down to a science. My goodness. Yeah. I I get hungry like pretty often. So I needed to, you know, otherwise I get hangry. Yeah. And then you're like, you're busy and you're filming content all day. So I'm sure you're probably at that point, like not in the mood to have to like figure out a whole nother meal. Yeah, exactly. It helps like to have that structure. So I'm also not like ordering out all the time. Right. Because you don't know what they put in your food sometimes. So it's, it just helps to know like that I always have a backup for dinner. Well, there you go. My gosh, a dinner inspiration, a dinner icon in our midst. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thanks, Alexa. That's a lot of credit. (laughs) So you mentioned a little bit about this, but what are some of like ingredients that you always have on hand in the kitchen? I know you said ramen and these, you know, thin cuts of meat, but what what are some things that you kind of always have stocked? Sure. Uh, Well, I always, so funny. I always have to have coconut milk, tomato sauce, and then fish sauce. Oh my gosh. The big three. Oh yeah. Those are to me, definitely the big three. You can throw anything in the combination of those three and it would taste really, really good. So So all those things go together, you're saying? Um, It's more of like, okay. So if I want to make something really tasty, maybe I can have a coconut milk or coconut cream base, and then I'll flavor it with fish sauce or shrimp paste or fish paste. I have all of them, by the way. So, um, yeah. And so you cook that down you throw in your meats, your veggies, whatever. Oh my gosh. So good. Like anyone that I serve that to enjoys it. And it's super simple and quick. And then for the tomato sauce, you can make all sorts of stuff with tomato sauce. Like you could make spaghetti with tomato sauce. You can make stews, you can make shakshuka. Um, and then I always throw fish sauce in there because if I have a hard time making something taste good, I throw in fish sauce and I'm like, oh, there, there it is. Okay, now it's now it's good. <laughs> oh my God, do I need to do that? Do I need to just put fish sauce in yes. everything? Yes, but oh my gosh, Alexa, you have to cook it. I okay. think that's the thing. Like people think like you just throw in the fish sauce, which you could. I think it just takes a little bit of like getting used to, especially if you've never had fish sauce before. Right. Like don't just like dump it on top. I would say cook it down. So okay. with the coconut milk and and the fish sauce, cook down the fish sauce first because it helps disperse the flavors throughout and it mellows out the flavor more. And you're not tasting fish sauce. You're tasting this like complex umami flavor. Everyone uses yes. that. Umami I knew you were gonna word, say right? umami. <laughs> I know. I was like, I try not to, but I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, That's that what makes it is. sense. It works. <laughs> so yeah. So- all right. So you have all those sound like very good ingredients to have. Like, all right, I guess I need fish sauce. I'm going to yeah. get some. 
fish sauce, tomato sauce, and coconut milk. And coconut milk. The big three. (laughs) Amazing. So who inspires you, Janelle? Oh, man. Uh, My grandma. (laughs) Oh. She's so cool. Um, And she actually, I wrote a children's book about like healthy eating. Are you serious? Yeah. And I dedicated to my grandma and it's called Rory Cooks Rainbow Noodles because my grandma's name is Aurora and she has a nickname Rory. And so my grandma's just like, she's taking care of us. I feel so loved and taken care of by my grandma. And she like, she would always watch out for me. Like we lived with her and my grandpa for a few years here while my parents were trying to get like, get their, what's, what's the word? Get the foundation place. I mean, you immigrate here, you have to do a lot of stuff and just, um, so we stayed with my grandparents and my grandma used to cook lumpia. Do you know what lumpia is? I've heard of it. Lumpia is, you remind me what it is. Yeah. So they're Filipino deep fried spring rolls. Okay. Yeah. And everybody loves my grandma's lumpia. It's like, I always tell people like, you know how you've got grandma's cookies? Oh yeah. I've got grandma's lumpia. My grandma's lumpia was like always, my grandma's always making lumpia and she would make it for friends, neighbors, our teachers. And I didn't know this until recently because I texted her. I was like, why were you always making lumpia? And she said, well, it's because I wanted to make sure that you got good grades and oh that the teachers would favor you. And she said, and I was right. They were so much nicer. They always say you're the best pupil. And I was just like, okay, so I don't know how much of it was like my work ethic versus like her lumpia that gave me the good grades. There's no way to know. The You'll can't. never know. <laughs> I will never find out. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. So she, she, she was looking out for you. She was. And she's always like always feeding us, always made sure that the food was like prepared from scratch. And she would juice us fresh fruits every morning. I would have fish for breakfast and rice. Like she really cared about our health. And she always cooked for a lot of people. And she just loved bringing people together with food. And I think that's why I now make food and bring people together. Oh, that's adorable. (laughs) So does she still live in the Philippines? No, she's actually in Texas. (laughs) Well, okay. That is not what I thought, but... (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. So she's okay. So you can still see her. It's not like it's, you know, across the world to see her or anything. Yeah. I do wish she was closer though, so that I could you know, do some videos with her and just get to talk to her more often than I mm-hmm. do now. Um, but yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Oh my God. That's, that's a very, very adorable answer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how much do you grocery shop? Oh my gosh. Uh, because I make so many videos. I don't yeah. get to do it as often, but I try to do it at least once a month, but then I do like a big haul. So I'll have once a, a bunch month? of groceries. That's like never. I know. Right. I think that's maybe an understatement. I would say like once a month for the, for the big stuff and then make a big list. And then like maybe throughout the week I would go and be like, okay, I'm going to grab this thing for a video. But yeah, it's actually not that often. But I mean, it goes to show like how busy the days could be, you know? I know. So do you just, how do you have all the food on hand? You just kind of stock up or? I think, you know how I told you about this, the tomato sauce and the coconut yes. milk thing? I yes. think it's because I have a lot of stuff already. That's like, yeah. 
filling the pantries and stuff. So I think that's part of it. But when like when COVID hit, we really were we were set like we didn't have to buy extra stuff. We were good. Like we had to stay if we had to just stay in the house and could never go out and could never like do Postmates or anything. We were set because there's always so much food. Yeah. Oh my god! So you're just a good planner. You just are very organized and you're you're on top of your stuff. I think so. Yeah, Maybe right. that's it. Good for you, man. I'm jealous. What a, what a concept. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> well, Alexa, if you get hungry like every two hours, like I do, you'll figure something out. That's fair. <laughs> that is very fair. Yeah, you gotta something's gotta give, and yeah. that sounds like you figured it out. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> So was there anything else important that I didn't ask you about your culinary journey or inspirations or things that I didn't touch on? Mm, I can't think. Well, I do know I have a goal to, I know I I feel like everyone has this goal, but I find out not everybody does, but (laughs) to have that show that whatever it is, maybe Netflix, maybe Amazon, maybe whatever, whoever decides to like take it to be able to show the foods that are not as talked about, like regional foods, lesser known foods that I think so many people would enjoy, but they just don't know that it exists. Right. Yeah. That's so, fair. so that's, that's the goal. What, so that's what this is all about in the end. I would say, yeah, whether it's me or somebody else or I inspire somebody else to do it, like that would just be something I would love to see out there. Yeah. So that's a lot of your mission is to kind of shine a light on cultural dishes that are not as that people aren't as familiar with, huh? Yeah. And to also show that like, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. And it doesn't matter how maybe your culture is perceived that we have this kind of common thread. And to me, like food is that common thread. And those lesser known foods, you'll find more of a closer connection with somebody else from the other side of the world than maybe the more popularized foods that we hear about more often. Interesting. Well, you're already kind of doing it already. So (laughs) I mean, you just keep plugging away. And you know, that's like I said, you're already teaching me stuff. And I'm sure many, many other people on the internet are learning from what you're putting out there. So we appreciate you fighting the good fight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Alexa. And I can't wait to see your recipes with fish sauce. (laughs) It's coming. It's literally any day now. It'll be on my next Instacart order, fish sauce. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Oh my gosh, it's going to make all your food taste good. Oh my God, I can't wait. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us, Janelle. It was such a pleasure learning about you and hearing about what inspires you and hearing about how you became the wonderful content creator that you are today. So I much appreciate it. Wow. No, thank you so much, Alexa, for this invite. I was just so excited to be able to share this and to be able to talk to you. So thank you. Of course. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed. And don't forget to follow Janelle on social media, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at Janelle Eats. If you have a food story or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who has helped you solve the what's for dinner question, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. 
Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.